You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. All right, Hollywood, I just flew back in from Nashville, and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> nice. <laughs> did you drive or did you fly? No, I, I drove. I oh, drove okay. up to Nashville for the Summer Nam uh, show, which I think we, we talked about in one of the earlier episodes, but uh, uh, this was my first actual Nam show, uh, and it was... Um, it was interesting to say the least. I gotta say, is this is a Nam show? Like, could we have a table at that in the future, or no? No. So Nam is essentially okay. First of all, Nam's not open to the public. Nam is National Association of Music Merchants, and essentially, what the Nam show is for everybody who doesn't know, Nam is basically brings together all the music companies that make instruments and tools for musicians, things like that. It brings them together with the music store owners and merchants and the actual musicians. So basically who gets invited to NAM are music store owners. So let's say the, the head buyers at all the guitar centers around the, the U S come to NAM. Um, it brings together the music companies. So, um, EVH guitars, Charvel guitars, Jackson guitars, Pearl drums, Gretsch drums, etc. Right. Right. Uh, and then it brings together all the musicians. So if you're a musician or producer or just in the music business in general, and you want to see all the latest tools and gadgets, then you go to NAMM to check it out. And so what happens is you will find musicians there that are trying to secure new endorsement deals, or you have musicians that already have endorsement deals that are demoing the latest product. So I'll give you an example. The first day I was there, I ran into Michael Wagner producer Michael Wagner. He okay. was there with um, the amplification company and um, they're called Kemper. And so Kemper amps are these kind of preamps where you can load all these different amp head sounds into this one preamp. So if you want to dial up a um, hundred watt Marshall, you can hit some buttons on this preamp and it brings up a hundred watt Marshall sound. Makes sense. Right. Okay. So he was there with Kemper. Um, let's see who else did I see? They had a couple of jazz musicians who were there with, um, some different bass guitar makers. And, um, I think, uh, Gretsch drums or Pearl drums had, had a jazz player there. I'm not familiar with all the jazz players. So that's kind of what Nam is all about. So you get all these musicians. The first day that I was there, I saw Mitch Malloy. I ran into um, uh, Phil Schaus and Jeremy Ashbrock. 
uh, who were um, hanging out at the vintage guitar um, booth. Uh, who else did I run into? I saw some musicians. First of all, everybody looks like a musician, so you don't really know necessarily who's famous, who's not, you know? <laughs> right. It's Nashville. There's lots of session guys. Uh, so I could have very well been passing by guys that played on, you know, all my favorite albums. Who knows? I really don't know. Uh, and Summer Nam Nashville is... Uh, much, much, much smaller than Winter Nam, which is that they have that in, every year in uh, Anaheim, California. Right. Uh, and so I understand that that's the one to really go to, but it's kind of overwhelming because it's, I mean, it's massive. It's, it's in this large, large convention center, probably the size of, you know, four football fields. And, no, you know, noise nonstop is going on. People are demoing drums and people are demoing guitars and people are, you know, demoing violins and, and cellos and pianos. And, and, and so it's all this, it's just noisy. I mean, there's a lot of, of stuff going on. And, and, you know, I stopped and had um, a couple of very quick chats with people um, at Summer Nam that I will play on this episode uh, of the Nam wrap-up. Uh, but they're super, super quick conversations, like, you know, maybe a couple of minutes each. And it's noisy because there's a lot going on, as I said, at Nam. So it's not going to be, you know, you can hear some of the questions, uh, and we'll, we'll get into, you know, who, who I ran into and, uh, the conversations I had as time went on, but, uh, that was pretty much, uh, what I did the majority of the days that I was there. I was there, uh, most of the day, Thursday, um, all day Friday, and I went home Saturday morning. So that's, yeah, it sounds like a good time. It's, uh, because I've heard, you know, I've had friends go to the L.A. one, the Anaheim one, and they just say, I mean, it's Disneyland. There's so much stuff. It's ridiculous. Yeah, if you're a musician, I mean, it is. It, that's a great description. It's Dis Disneyland for musicians. I mean, they had beautiful, beautiful guitars. And, uh, you know, I, I'm. I like guitars. I mean, I'm, I'm partial to guitars. So there, there were all kinds of just really beautiful guitars there. I picked up some and played some at the Gibson booth and, um, you know, diff, just different ones that I wanted to try out that I thought were, uh, were really cool. And then they have, they have activities going on at night in different venues around town. And then during the day, they had a stage outside on this terrace uh, by the convention center and they had bands um, or artists either way um, that played nonstop uh, throughout the day. And so, um, you know, none of them were artists that I would consider our thing you know, mine and yours thing, there were different, you know, there were country artists and of course it's in Nashville, there were country artists and there were alternative and indie artists and things like that. So, uh, I can't necessarily say that, 
Um, I saw, you know, anything that was up my alley as far as hard rock or, or metal goes. I didn't see anything like that, but, uh, you know, just great musicians nonetheless. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. So, um, the first interview I'm going to throw in here real quick is I ran into, um, Decibel Geek alumni, Todd Zilla. Uh, anybody that listens to the Decibel Geek podcast uh, knows Todd Zilla. He's got a he's an interesting character. Got a ton of stories, and um, just uh, he's a great musician. He works at a music store, so I thought I'd hey just stop and ask him uh, about Summernam and and what it means to him because he's both a musician and a music store um, employee. So. Uh, why was he there? You know, I wanted to find out, was he there shopping for himself or shopping for the store? So Toddzilla. Toddzilla, welcome to the show. How you doing? It's good to see you. Good to see you. So so we're here at Summer Nam. Uh, This is being done in Nashville. You're part of Nashville um, music scene. Sure. You work at a guitar shop. Yep. Corner music. Yep. Yep. When you come to Summer Nam, you're here as a guitar player and as kind of a a professional music store guy. Well, truthfully, truthfully, I mean, you know, contrary to all popular belief, Nam is actually for me. And why I say that is I'm the guy in the music store who's selling the guitars. So guys like me who do my job, the, the NAM show is actually supposed to be for us to come in here and see the new products and do that thing. Obviously, there's a whole other demographic where you've got you know players and people and they're trying to hawk endorsements and do those kinds of things. But for me, this is just my damn job. Right. <laughs> you know? Nam is yeah. National Association of Music Music Merchants. Merchants. Exactly. exactly, exactly. I yeah. mean, it's it's a big social thing. It's a big, you know, everybody's, you know, there's, I mean, it's the music business. So you've got that whole facet of everything. But ultimately, you know, yeah, for me, you know, people are like, hey, are you going to Nam? You're going to hang out? You're going to do things? And I'm like, man, I'm I'm just going to be working. You know, I mean, that's that's what I do. You know, I just I just have to come in and see new products and figure out what we're going to buy for the year and when what products we're going to stock and that kind of stuff so yeah exactly and i mentioned to you you and i kind of have similar paths in the background the funny thing is what i didn't mention to you is that i came to atlanta originally and went to work for one of the biggest music stores in Atlanta. Okay. That was my end. I, yeah. I worked as a guitar salesman for okay. many, many years. Well, then you know the gig, man. Exactly. <laughs> but the funny thing is, this is my first NAM. Like, wow. I've never been to another NAM show. So what do you think of this so far? Overwhelming. Yeah, it is. And this is, you know, to be honest with you, this is little next to the thing in L.A. Right, yeah. The, the winter show is just unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's, it's sensory overload. This is actually something where you can kind of get your bearings and actually walk through this and do this but the la show is just uh, i don't even go to that thing anymore it's so overwhelming well that's right i came yesterday for the first time i was overwhelmed i took it all in and i didn't do a damn thing and i came back today <laughs> with a game plan yeah. on how to kind of do yeah this. you kind of have to attack it a little bit and yeah. i you know it's great i went to a um uh, panel discussion on engineering and and um, 
recording and, and producing, and, and I'm not a recorder or an engineer, but I enjoyed it because the people that had on the panel had great stories sure, and yeah. uh, really insightful information, so right, it was cool. Right. So now I'm just kind of going around and getting people's take on, on yeah. uh, NAM. And NAM's always fun, but for me it's always work, you know, yeah. so, so it's kind of... It's half of the. The cool thing about Nam is everything that goes on in the, you know, after the show's over each night. You know, there's so many play, people playing around town, so many great shows. There's a lot of you, you have to you have to pick and choose and try to find where you want to be because there's so much stuff going on all at once. But there's there's always good stuff going on. Yeah, there's absolutely. Always good stuff going on. Todd, I appreciate your time. Anytime, man. Thank you so much. All right. I remember him uh, meeting him last year. It seemed like a really nice guy. I know he'd gone through some stuff, but it looks like he's on the other end of that, so that's good. All right, so like I said, just a real quick uh, stop with uh, Todd Zilla, quick visit with him. Uh, and so that first day, um, Sonny was sensory overload. <laughs> just so much so much flying at my head uh you know i was there basically as media to cover it and uh that's kind of what we're doing with this uh this podcast episode and this wrap-up is just to kind of give people uh the idea of what nam was all about but uh, of course i was in nashville and uh, i have a lot of friends in nashville these days so uh, I wanted to do some cool things at night, so my buddy and yours, Mr. Chris Sinzak from the Decibel Geek, was kind enough to invite me out on Thursday evening because he had an extra ticket for Poison, Cheap Trick, and Pop Evil that were playing oh. the local amphitheater. That's the second time you've seen them on this tour, right? Yeah, it is, actually, because yeah. I, I worked probably, what was that, uh, two or three weeks ago? Yeah, it wasn't long. So this time I went as a spectator, and we went to um, this uh, Nashville amphitheater that's on the river. And uh, it's a, a small amphitheater, really tiny amphitheater and so we had amazing seats like really good seats probably 10 rows off the stage for that show i was always looking forward to seeing uh cheap trick i'll be honest with you poison i i i don't necessarily care about just because i've already seen them on this tour and i've already voiced my opinion about them not changing the set list and so i'm not gonna say anything more about that poison was poison <laughs> that night that's that's all I can tell you. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Cheap Trick, again, was awesome. They sounded great. They looked great. And oddly enough, you know this was the first time that our buddy Sinzak has ever seen Cheap Trick live? I saw that on Facebook. I'm like, wow, how in all this time did he miss them? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I was really surprised to hear that. Now, now, mind you, I think Chris falls sort of in the same category as both you and I, where he's he's a little right. He's a little bit on the right side of being a casual fan, so he likes them, but he doesn't like freak out about them. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's one of those things where if they're playing a club with some local act, most likely I won't go. Right. But if they're head, you know, if they're a double bill with somebody and I happen to catch them, well, that's great. Yeah. I'll show up in time to see the set. That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. That, yeah. that's, that's about the same for me, but Chris got his, uh, his, uh, cheap trick cherry busted that night. 
Wow, I'm glad now. Was their set list different than two weeks ago? It was basically the same. I think they played, um, they switched out a couple of deep tracks. So I don't remember them playing Big Eyes, which they did in Nashville. I may be wrong, but I'm I'm pretty sure that I'm right. And so uh, they changed it up a little bit, but not a ton. And it was just still a really, really solid set. They sounded great. They have Robin Zander's son playing rhythm guitar now and singing backups. And they have Rick Nielsen's son has been playing drums, replaced Bunny Carlos. So I posed the question, do we think that they're getting ready to pull a cheap trick 2.0? Oh, oh yeah. Do they have a keyboardist on stage? They do not have a keyboard player. Huh. No, they do not have a keyboard player. They didn't need one. Robin Zander's son played guitar and sang backups, played rhythm guitar and sang backups. He looks like a good-looking young kid. Doesn't really look like his dad, but looks like a good-looking young kid, basically. I think it's a great idea. Like, it, your kid's interested in music. You have an opportunity to bring them on the road with you and teach them the ropes. Why wouldn't somebody want to do that? Yeah, good summer camp, right? Yeah. <laughs> and And, hey, look. If if you really wanted to, I think that Cheap Trick could pull together a Cheap Trick 2.0. I mean, if you've got if you got the kids of the original guys and the original guys are so old they can't do it anymore, which by the way, this is not the case with Cheap Trick right now. They're going stronger than ever. Xander sounded great. But, you know, one day it will be the case, right? Yeah. And so yeah. I know Rick Nielsen's kind of a unique character and he's He's uh, crazy in his own right, but surely you can go out and find somebody to fit that bill. Yeah, Cheap Trick's weird because, you know, when we're talking band versus brand or yeah. is the brand bigger than the band, blah, blah, you know, stuff like Iron Maiden, Kiss, like it's easy. Jimi Hendrix, right? There's a brand out there that's bigger than really anything else that's going on. Yeah, no You doubt. just don't – I don't label Cheap Trick as a brand. Yeah. All right, well, let's get to this next interview. This next interview is with producer and engineer Nick Raskalenis. Now, Nick Raskalenis, one, has produced the latest Hailstorm record that's getting ready to come out. It's not out yet. Uh, he's also produced Foo Fighters. He's produced, I think, the last Rush record. So he's done some amazing things. He's got some huge credits to his name. You can go look him up. Uh, for yourself. And really and truly, I got literally like two minutes with Nick. I think I asked him basically, you know, how he thought the latest Hailstorm record came out. Was it easier working with somebody that's local as opposed to somebody uh, that is not local because he's located there in Nashville and we all know that Hailstorm is a Nashville act. So talk to him about a couple of those type things. Again, the audio, it's kind of distracting because you got a lot of stuff going on. But take a listen to this uh, few minutes that I had with uh, producer and engineer Nick Raskalenis. Nick Raskalenis, thanks for spending a few minutes with us. When you come to Summer NAM, what are you usually doing other than taking part in these panels? Are you looking at newest gear or any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, I'm looking at you know, all the companies introducing their new stuff, 
and I'm putting a name together with a face for a lot of these companies because I talk to a lot of these people on the phone, but I don't ever really get to meet them face to face. So I think it's kind of, you know, maybe creating and establishing a relationship with some of these companies is, you know, and that's important. Yeah, right on. And do you, do you take part in all the different NAMs that are going on summer and winter? And honestly, this is the first NAM I've been to in really? like five or six years. Yes. You know, I'm usually working the whole time. You're based here in Nashville. Yeah, right? I live in Nashville now. And nonstop just working. Yeah. Just got done with the latest tailstorm record. Yep. How do you think that went? I think it went great. Yeah, I think it's their best record so far, and the reaction to it has been, you know, overwhelmingly positive. Thank you, man. Yeah, it it turned out really good. We worked a long time on it and really hard, and you know, I wanted to really make a record that exemplifies what Hailstorm is about, and I really feel like we did that. Is it easier working with artists when they're kind of because they're based here as well, right? Yeah, they are. They're the first band from Tennessee I've ever recorded. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Is it easier to do that logistically? Is it easier? Or is it? It's easier on the budget. Yeah. Yeah, right on. <laughs> you don't have to pay for hotels and flights and rental cars, but I mean, it's the same thing. We all show up at the studio at the same time, yeah. and we all leave at the same time, so it's. Are they really a hands-on band, or do they just kind of turn it over to you and, and let you do your thing? It's a little bit of both. Yeah. You know, they, they pretty much let me do my thing, and we do it together. We make these records together. Because I think there's two types of artists, right? You have some artists that are really into more hands-on type work on the, the album itself, and then you have some that, that aren't so much that, right? Yeah. You've run into both of, the, both yep. of those Sometimes types, I work right? with bands who know a lot about recording right. and really want to get involved in the recording process while we're recording some bands don't know anything about recording and they just want to play do you prefer one to the other i like the ones that just want to play better really because yeah. it's easy to get overwhelmed by the technology and worrying about what mic is on what and how the eq is set right and, you know everybody has a role yeah you know i want the singer to sing i want the drummer to play the drums i don't want the drummer to worry about you know the technical side of things because that can take away from the performance do your thing i'll do my thing and then i'll call you into the room when when it's done exactly okay fair enough hey nick thanks for spending a few minutes with us sure man good to meet you man thanks thanks everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell and we want to hear yours so go to our website at growinguprock.com that's one word G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K dot com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. Yeah, even though you didn't get a ton of time with them, this resume of Rush, Alice in Chains, Stone Sour, Deftones, Ghost, Mastodon, Bush, Blackstar Riders, Corn. I mean, this guy's yeah. with the big guys right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's nonstop. He's so busy right now. He's not hurting for work, I guess, is the point. Yeah. Okay. So that was cool. And then, you know, I cornered him because I had taken in part of NAM. They have all these different panel discussions. And so one of the panel discussions that I thought was really interesting was a producer engineer panel. And on the panel, it was moderated by Chris Lord Algie. Do you know that name? No. So you should, because he's been around forever and he has touched so many albums. I mean, just when you get a chance, just Google his credits and his name again is Chris Lord Algie and he's done a ton of stuff. He moderated it 
and Nick was on the panel and this next interview was also, he was part of the panel and the next little interview section that I do is with Doug Wimbush, who is the current bass player in Living Color, but he's also done a lot of other stuff. He's played with the Rolling Stones and Madonna, all these amazing people and he had some really good stories I talked to him quickly because he's all about musical education for the next generation and underprivileged kids getting musical education, things like that. It's really cool. And he's very passionate about some of the things that uh, he talked about. But what I want to do is hopefully in the future, we can get Doug on the show and do a proper interview with him because I think he's got some really cool stories. Like I know he told one that I would rather just wait and let him share if we ever get him on the show. That was really fun uh, with uh, some interaction that he had with Madonna when he was recording with her. So some cool stuff. Take a quick listen to this few minutes that I got with Doug Wimbish. I'm here with Doug Winbush, but we're at Summer Nam. Doug, how are you? Mellow as a cello right about now. That's All fantastic. is good. So you're the current bass player in Living Color, right? Yes. And what do you do here at Nam when you attend? Well, primarily I'm usually here via one of my sponsors. This year I'm here with Eventide um, and demoing some of their new effects, primarily the H9, some of the different algorithms that they have. And they have an H9000, which is a new unit that just came out. I'm also working with a Pigtronics pedal, um, uh, FX pedals. Um, f- quite a few different companies. Primarily, those are the two that bought me here. Are you ever searching out uh, the new latest and greatest things for yourself as a musician? Well, I'm just seeing what other artists have come up with over time. Because all of these developers, they're artists. And it's always good to just go and see and support them, you know, because it's heavy competition going on here. But to me, it really shouldn't be about competition. It's more about, about art. And as all artists do, they should support each other. So I just watch and monitor some friends that I've known for many years to see what they've developed over time and also how they're getting those um, ideas into the uh, minds of young kids and also getting the instruments and the sonics into the hands of people that actually want, that could use them and play want to, to make music so I'm primarily focused on the next generation kids I research see what what some of my friends are doing and try to find ways how to engage the next generation into seeing and hearing some of these devices that I've heard here as a diplomat of NAM. I spread that gospel to the next generation. Yeah, you're all about musical education. I got that from your panel that you just took part in, which I think is fantastic because you kind of look to the next generation and how the next generation can serve us uh, from a musical standpoint. Correct. Uh, what's, What's happening currently with Living Color? Living Color right now, we're just... We've, we've put out a record, Shade, last year. Fantastic record. Thank you very much. Chris was a part of mixing that. And um, I spent a lot of time organizing um, the, pr- the production of it with my friend Andre Betts and just, uh, you know, putting the pieces together, connecting the dots, keep, you know, getting the project off the ground and making sure that it's a we thing that we're all involved, uh, the band, but also just trying to to um, have us, give us the opportunity to be able to continue to 
create music and spread the living color gospel. You know, I'm not the architect, I'm the recipient. Vernon and I have known each other for many years. I replaced Muzz Skilling's original basis. Um, I tried to bring to this unit my experience and for the, you know, and it's, and, um, and also embrace what Living Color was, has always done as a brand. And understanding that, it's, it, it keeps me engaged in the brand and the band Living Color. And as a cast member and or base current basis, um, I'm always happy that we're able to come up with an idea, a theme, and translate that idea from conversation into a finished product. That's awesome. I appreciate your time. I don't want to take any more of your time up. Not right now, anyway. Okay. But uh, thanks for spending some time with us. You got to listen. Support the next generation. If you get a moment, check out Wimbash. Go to my Facebook, and you can also drop me a message. If you have anybody or know any organizations that need support and there's anything I can do, reach out and I'll answer. We'll tie that into some of the show notes as well. Thank Thank you. you very much, sir. Man, some of these guys, like you mentioned, Madonna, Rolling Stones, I mean, you work with Depeche Mode, James Brown, Danny Lennox. I mean, this guy, like a wide this guy variety. No joke. Yeah, yeah, like a wide variety. That's what's kind of cool about him is is that, yeah, he's playing bass and living color, and he was really instrumental in getting them together, which, by the way, if anybody hasn't heard uh, Shade, the latest record from Living Color. I encourage you guys to go check that out because it's really, really a good record. But yeah, he's worked with everybody. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. That brings us to Friday night. And Friday night, Chris, once again, Chris calls me up and says, hey, the Rock and Roll Residency is going to do a gig for Orange Amplifiers at Mercy Lounge. And Mercy Lounge, of course, is where we're going to be having the big Rockin' Pod 2 pre-party with Tortora, Angel, Ron Keel. Uh, it's going to be amazing. And, and hey, you know what? Speaking of Rockin' Pod 2, that's a really good place for you guys to listen to this. Still love it loud? So do we. Rockin' Pod returns to Nashville on Saturday, August 25th. Over 25 rock podcasts from all over North America recording on-site. Vinyl and memorabilia dealers selling the best in rock merchandise. And awesome rock musicians and personalities participating in signing sessions and on-stage panel discussions throughout the day. Special guests include current and former members of Korn, Kiss, Angel, Winger, Loudness, Accept, Bang Tango, Kick Tracy, as well as producers that have worked with Slayer, Ozzy, Alice Cooper, Seven Dust, and many more. More guests being added weekly. Don't miss your chance to be part of an awesome celebration of all things rock. Rock and Pod takes place at the legendary Nashville Palace, August 25th, 2018. More details available at rockandpod.com. That's R-O-C-K-N-P-O-D.com. The Nashville Rock and Pod Expo. Brought to you by Blind Tiger Record Club. School of Rock Nashville and School of Rock Franklin, a DBG Productions event. So that's Rock and Pod 2. If you guys haven't donated to this, aren't coming to this, you really, really should consider this. Not only is Nashville a cool place to visit, but we got this Rock and Pod 2 festival expo, whatever you want to call it, and it's going to be amazing. What do you think about that, Sonny? Oh, I can't wait. I mean, I had such a great time last year and uh you know, I think 
the neurons will be firing because there's so many cool guests and so much stuff to do there. And I think it will have a better turnout even than we had last year. It'll be a great time. Yeah, absolutely. We went out to the rock and roll residency show at Mercy Lounge that night, Chris and I, and ran into a bunch of people, of course. Everybody is hanging out at the Mercy Lounge. And one of the people they had come up and jam with them was Mr. Derek St. Holmes, which was very cool. Anthony Corder also sat in on a song. So, you know, it's always a good time in Nashville when Gene Simmons band plays their rock and roll residency gig and has all kinds of people sitting in and jamming. And it's just a a great night of 70s classic rock, essentially. Yeah, I can't wait to see them. I still have not seen them yet. And uh, I'm hoping I'm in Nashville September week five. So that last week in September, because our company meeting is there. Yeah. And I don't know what we have planned on Tuesday night, but I'm hoping I get to catch them. Yeah, I hope you do too. I think you'll enjoy it. Like I said, it's classic rock, but you never know who's going to show up, you know? Yeah, gotcha. All right, so we'll get to this last interview that I did. I did with the marketing guy at EVH Guitars, and I wanted to talk to the marketing guy at EVH Guitars because I wanted him to run down Edward Van Halen right before NAM announced the release of the 78 Eruption Guitars, or 78 Eruption Guitar Packages, as they are. And so I think Edward Van Halen and EVH Guitars are probably taking a little bit of a cue from Gene Simmons and The Vault, sort of, so to speak, because they've come up with these new EVH guitar packages. So in a nutshell, I'll just kind of break it down in a nutshell, and then I'll let you listen to the interview because the marketing guy kind of walks us through each level of eruption guitar package. But in a nutshell, they have three different packages, three different price points, and it's a replica guitar of Edward Van Halen's 78 Frankenstein white and black Stratocaster that he built. And so he worked with EVH painstakingly to get every last detail down to the brass nut. And essentially, they have it in three different stages. So the first stage, which is the bottom package, is what the guitar looked like when he was practicing in his bedroom before the band embarked on their world tour. You know, basically that it's it's worn, but it's not completely worn. The second package is when he just came back or he had it out there on the tour. So it's worn. And they even got like, the pick scrapes on the pit guard, all this stuff. I mean, it looks like you're basically getting his guitar, but it's not his guitar. But he did help build it, okay? <laughs> okay. The third one, which is the top tier, is the one that he played Eruption on. And so what you get The guitar is part of it. You get this worn case that looks like a replica case, exactly like the one that he used to carry the guitar around in. You get a bunch of goodies with it. So you get 
a copy of Van Halen one on vinyl that Edward signs. You get a eight by 10 that Eddie signs. Uh, you get some 78 replica tour passes. You get the three in one oil that you have to keep on the nut to keep it in tune. Yeah, get the set of strings that was built specifically for the guitar because it doesn't normally get strung with regular guitar strings. Okay. And then on the top package, which is the most expensive one, and it's expensive. I'll let you I'll let him tell you what it is when we go through this, but you get all of that stuff that I just mentioned. Plus you get a copy, and this is an actual copy. Van Halen if you're a really big Van Halen fan, you know that they released the first record on this red vinyl Looney Tunes kind of red vinyl with the original Van Halen logo back in the day. This was like even before the first record came out. You get an actual copy of that vinyl. And supposedly it's really, really rare. Like they could only find, they only built eight of these guitars. And so they were able to procure 10 of these albums. Eight of the albums go with each one of the guitars they sell, and two of them go in the vault. So Edward signs that. You also get a copy of Van Halen 1. Now here's the cool thing that you get. This is pretty cool. What they'll do is they'll give you a jump drive. And what they did is they filmed Edward at his 5150 studio play an eruption on the guitar that you just bought and he he numbers it and signs the back of the guitar so that's pretty freaking cool because it essentially goes from edward's hands to yours i mean that's kind of a piece of guitar history don't you think oh absolutely an expensive piece but it is a piece it is an expensive piece for sure no doubt about that so I'll post some pictures on the website with this podcast, but you guys can listen to this marketing guy kind of walk through each of the packages for the Edward Van Halen Eruption 78 series guitars. And I think it's like Super 78, Eruption 78, and I can't remember what they call the third one, but he'll, he'll tell you all that stuff. So take a listen, see what you think. So I'm here with Matt Brown, and Matt Brown is part of the marketing team that is putting together the Eruption Guitar Package from EVH Guitars. So how's it going, Matt? Great. How are you? Good. Good. Summer Nam been good for you so far? It has. We're on our feet. Uh, it's a great-looking booth. Yeah. we got the sun shining in. It's not hot. Uh, nothing more you can ask for. So. And you guys can go to growinguprock.com and see all the pictures that I'm going to do uh, on the uh, Eruption Guitar Packages and such. So uh, there's three packages available, correct? Correct, yeah. And these guitars are all black and white striped, kind of like uh, the old guitars from that era. Uh, yeah. Eddie, right? Yeah, in a nutshell, essentially 
three variants. It's the guitar. What did the guitar look like before he went embarked on the world tour okay. in 1978? Okay. Fresh coat of lacquer, fresh automotive pinstripe, um, you know, bridge and, and parts from other guitars. So you get like closet classic hardware. Uh, and he's ready to go. He's discovered this is my sound. This is what I want to do. It's a, an Ash Strat body uh, with a humbucker in it. And then he discovered this with the brass nut and all the things that you get on this, which we'll go into, is the is his sound that he wants to uh, continue forth up until now, right? So. And I noticed in the three guitars that are displayed here, they all look sort of similar, but there's one big difference, which is they all look in varying degrees of use. So some look much more used yeah. than others, and some look a little bit more newer than yeah. others. So obviously before he embarked on the tour, this one was his his bedroom guitar. He practiced it. He took it to the practice space and, and, and with the guys practice, right? He wasn't jumping off the stages yet. Right. He wasn't in smoky bars yet. Right. He wasn't doing any of that. So this, this was the where cleaner one. This is the cleaner <laughs> one where it starts. But you feel it and you're going, oh, this isn't new. Right. This is something that is not embarked on the tour yet. Right. All right, so then when you go to the, the to, to the next variant, what did the guitar look like right after the tour? Right. Okay? You're going to see the sweat, blood, tears, battle scars, the full deal, everything. You see where his pick scratches were. You see where his finger would do the swells. Okay? And then the last variant that you were speaking of is the same version of when he got off tour, but Ed, today, last week, two weeks ago, played Eruption on this and we filmed it. So he played Eruption on eight guitars. After he played it, he signs it and numbered it. So there's one through eight. Uh-huh. We actually did eight through one. Uh-huh. And uh, what we did with this is in his studio, 5150, with his SSL board, his Univox, the full deal in his own comfort zone, we filmed him playing this from start to finish, standing up with the original chain strap. So that is that guitar. The end user will get that video of them playing their guitar on the USB thumb drive. Which is amazing, and it yeah. looks like it comes with a whole bunch of other little... It does. So so on the 78 Eruption original, they all share similar things. On the Super 78, which we are just referring to, the hard case is distressed all around. It's patinaed. There's white gaffers tape that hold it together, just like his case. And the, and the World Tour vinyl backstage pass on the top lid is positioned just like it was when he carried it around on the tour. So that is exact. The, all these cases are period correct. Jerry at G&G took the original molds. It's, it's thinner this way. There's no padding there. You'll notice it when you see in the pictures. There's no cradle for the neck. This is how it was. That case, so this case on the 78 Eruption Relic, which is the middle variant, this one has relic latches and a handle. This one is non-relic, just regular closet classic latches. Right. So circling back, I know you'll explain all this in the podcast, but circling back, all three packages come with a period correct GNG case. Right. Orange interior, blonde exterior, three-in-one oils, very... Uh, it's important for the DNA of this guitar to keep it in tune. You move the nut, the way you string it, the way you stretch it, the way you tune it, the way you tune it while you twist the string, while you dive it, while you stretch this way. So that's really the key. The strings are a very big key to this because this is a different string set than 
string sets now in this era that Fender is producing. The Super Bullets in 1970 weren't 009 to .042. They were 040 to 009 with a 015 on the G string. And this is all, because this is 78, so this is all pre-Floyd Rose and crap. Correct. All you got here is a, is a tremolo and a, and a brass nut of yeah. some sort. There is no locking system on yeah. any of this. Yep. So with those types of things, this is now getting closer to that sound. I had to recreate these string packages just for this guitar, okay? All the guitars that will come with those string gauges, plus you'll get an extra two sets in each of the packages. You'll get your very own 1978 World Tour Vinyl Stage Pass. Um, I've seen those, I saw one on eBay go for like $1,000, Yeah. right? So I have two originals. I also have an original 70s recreated Van Halen tortoiseshell thin pick. Okay. But what we did, this isn't normal tortoiseshell that you see on the picks nowadays. 70s tortoise was very sporadic and very swirly. So we recreated that on these as well. That just, all these little things, there was no stone unturned. We, we made sure to get every single detail right. So, um, yeah. so the, the, the passes are original, but the, the picks are recreation. The, right? no, the passes are off an original recreation. I recreated them. Okay. There's, those passes aren't available. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You were yeah. freaking me out there. Yeah. I was like, really? I'll, yeah, I'll show you what's original on the Super 78 in a minute. Okay. Okay, so uh, once that you get the, the, the uh, chain strap, which was a feat. Not only the guitar was it hard to do, the chain strap was just as hard. And we have an inside source that did this for us, sourced all the parts, got with the leather craftsman, got with the, um, the punches for these rivets. All these things came together, the duct tape, the uh, clasp where it comes out, where it would grab his shirt, he duct taped it so it was smooth and it wouldn't grab. All these things are period correct to what was done there. Um, you also get a certificate of authenticity with the embossed silver logo on the outside. Ed signs it, Chip Ellis, the master builder, will sign it as well. You get a special booklet that will have unreleased photographs like this. Um, you know, Ed gave me a photo book that his mom gave him that were unreleased photos, and we found them, and there's nothing out there like it. So we'll be using these photos in there. There will be new interview questions. There will be new little nuggets that nobody's ever heard before in this collector's booklet. You'll have an 8x10. You'll have a signed Van Halen 1 album. So when you get the guitar, you're going to throw the album on the vinyl. You're going to take the guitar out. You're going to listen. You're going to play. You're going to smell. You're going to play with all the little goodies, right? So that's on the Eruption. The Eruption Relic has the same exact case candy with a different guitar that was road-worn through 1978. The Super 78 has original Van Halen Looney Tunes red vinyl. I had to acquire these everywhere in the world. Acquired 10 of them. I'm using 8 of them. The other two will go in the vault. That's a trip. He signed that one, signed VH1 there. You also get a vintage 3-in-1 oil can. That's very cool. Yeah, so that's the three tiers. So it's Super 78, which is the top tier, 78 Eruption Relic, which is the second, the middle tier, and then 78 Eruption, which is the bottom tier. Correct. Of all these. And the price points are Super 78? Is 25. And uh, 78, 78 uh, Relic? 12.5. And 78. 78, 78. There you go. Those are your pricing points. And, you know, people think about this and they're, they're like, holy shit, are you kidding me? But 
I mean, this is kind of the thing. There's a lot of these things going on, and Gene Simmons' vault is one that comes to mind like immediately, right? He was he was doing uh, two thousand dollars for the vault, and, you know, five thousand dollars for the producer special, and it comes with all these goodies. Me personally, I'd rather have the Van Halen thing. I'm just a bigger Van Halen fan, so. Uh, that's that's pretty cool, and if you can afford it, I mean, 25k, and you get these cool things uh, to go along with it. It's pretty amazing. You'll see the pictures that I take uh, of these guitars. I mean, they're amazing looking, and the packages that they come with are pretty damn cool. And you heard Matt talk about all the detail that goes into these things and the research that went into them and acquiring these things and uh, it sounds like uh, you work kind of hand in hand with Eddie the whole way and yeah there's there's an uh, unlimited amount of hours that have been put into this uh, I know people think oh you can go look on the internet and find this stuff no you can't you have to actually have to work directly with the artist and do this um, little tidbits that I missed I mean we're hand cutting each pit guard okay um, there's a Cluson brass block on these Right? There's a lot of little nuggets and tidbits on this that you can't get anywhere. The little nick there on each of them. You'll notice the pinstripe is completed there. Yeah. When he got off tour, the sweat, now it curls. And you notice this in photos. Wow. So the, all these little nuggets are what make this package special. Yeah, and I think it's important to point out because you could get the impression that these are, these are the actual guitars that got passed down from Eddie, and it's not that, it's just that Eddie worked with them in recreating these things to to the pick scratch, basically, of these guitars, right? He's involved in every single piece of everything that is has his name on it. Right. So, uh, every single thing, every nut, every bolt, every washer. Yeah, everybody needs to realize that, know that. He doesn't let anything go out the door that he is not blessed, touched. Uh, he's, he's, he's in it, so, um, you know, even the brass nut. Brass nut alone. These are all cut from a thick piece of brass to perfection for this guitar. The way it's flattened, the way it's curved, the way the string goes through. All these things are things that if you want to attempt to do it on your own, you're going to have revision after revision after revision. But we've found the secret sauce, yeah, let's just say. And uh, it was an epiphany. So Very cool. Yep. Matt, I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks. All right. So that's it. Twenty five grand. You got twenty five grand sitting around, Sonny? No. <laughs> how about how about half of that? You got uh you got seven or eight grand sitting around? Uh no. Okay. Well, so I guess between us we're not getting any of those uh guitars. No. Okay. No, I'm not. All right. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> so so that was my trip to Summer Nam. It was an experience. I would love to do Anaheim at some point. I think I have a better idea of how to navigate it at this point, but two days was about all I could handle of all that craziness. And so there you go. Anything else you want to add before we get on out of here? Uh, no, I got a chance to, uh, well, I guess, yes, I got a chance to check out Summerfest. I was going to go Sunday. So Summerfest is like, I guess the biggest music festival in Wisconsin or it's, it's big and it's in Wisconsin. I don't know if it's the biggest in the U.S. I wouldn't know. But I was supposed to go Sunday, and the weather was terrible. We went today instead, and uh, it's a nice little nifty setup, man. If you ever get a chance for the Summerfest, it is worth it. Yeah, okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah, yeah I would definitely love to hear more about that, but we're tied on time, so we'll save that for another episode. Yep. Cool. 
All right. Later. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.